So today I'm joined with Sandy Gore Benji from Seek Forgiveness. Uh, Benji, I'm going to hand it over to you to introduce yourself, how you found Seek Forgiveness and what Serva Seek Forgiveness do. So Seek Forgiveness is a mental health and wellbeing organisation. I'm the founder of the organisation and it was founded uh, just over two years ago now. It was kind of a journey with alongside my own sicky journey but also alongside a, a path that I was figuring out for myself I think around um, where I wanted my future to be. So um, I think I fell into mental health on the basis of lots of things that were happen happening within my environment. I think there was a change in in losing friends and family and work and studies. I do a lot of things for, for personal development. And within the community, it was just never something that we talked about. It was just carry on, you can do this. Uh, you know, we don't know what stress is or what anxiety or depression or anything like that is you just carry on. Mm. Um, and when I was working, I'm, I work in a very corporate industry and well-being and mental health is quite key because of your productive modes that you need to be in to be able to deliver the, the high level of um, work performance that you need to. So things like team building and understanding your physical and mental health was quite important, but it was never something that we talked about within family households. So I was open to learning a lot more within my workplace, but never had the opportunities to do it on a personal ground. I took the personal step to learn more around mental health through mental health training and um, taking part in a lot of conferences and um, seeking out what was available for our community, especially in mental health. So when Seek Forgiveness was founded, I was on my mental health journey trying to figure out where does South Asian individuals fit? Do they have a voice in a room where mental health is discussed? And why is it such a taboo topic? And I think that's where forgiveness came into it. One of the things that I learned over the past two to three years was within us all, there is an element of Vaigruji. You know, there's an element of God or the belief of the higher power that you have in in either the universe or a god or something that keeps you going and gives you that hope and light and most people don't learn how to forgive whether they want to forgive themselves or whether they want to forgive other people they just haven't understood why forgiveness is so important to your physical and mental health um and I think within cultures it's it's a baggage that people hold on to um and you hear so many stories and you hear so many so many things that have happened where forgiveness hasn't been an option and people's health has deteriorated. And that's why I wanted to keep it humble. And I find forgiveness as a way of being humble. And to begin with, with when Seek Forgiveness was found, it was mainly based on the forgiveness element. But as I was learning more about Sikhi, it was actually, that's what we do. You know, we are within Sikhi we are content human beings we want to help and serve humanity and within that includes forgiveness mm. so that's why Sikh forgiveness was was founded and that's how the name came about it was what's really important to me what's my relationship with with Sikhi and with my guru um, and how can I support others in doing that so once the foundation for, for Stick Forgiveness was, was made, it was looking on the broader scale of, as a Sikh, we are here to help and serve everyone. We don't just serve our community or Sikhs or Indians or South Asians or mm -hmm. anything that anyone would assume we would help. We help everyone, everything that's living, whether it's plants, whether it's animals, and it's important for us to mm. do that because they're a way of life. They also have mm -hmm. an element to bring to this world. And without those elements, those, the world wouldn't work. 
so yeah, it was the preservation of life really, and that's how Sikhi um, has really impacted the way Sikh forgiveness works. Is because as individuals who have struggled with poor mental health, when we see a light at the end of the tunnel, our main focus is to help another person, mm. is to try and support someone in not feeling like they had felt. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's very much a ripple effect. You will see that across so many organisations, so many um, individuals, celebrities, motivational speakers, you know, TED Talks or presentations. Everyone is sharing a part of their journey which has inspired another. By only voicing your journey, can you impact somebody else's? And it's the same with our gurus. You know, we... We learn about Sikhi and even if you're a baptised Sikh, mm. um, you're still learning. At every, every day you are learning something new, whether it's from our ancestors or whether it's from the Guru Granth Sahib Ji. There isn't anything that we haven't thought about and we're a very new religion so we're still continuously, continuously learning about where our voice needs to be, what we should be standing up for, what does... Mm. Um, Sikhi mean to us what does it mean to others why we need to be able to have a space and this is why it was important to incorporate that because as I mentioned earlier was going into these conferences and going into these meetings understanding and learning about mental health I was one of the very few people or even the only person who was from a um, ethnic background Mm. so there was never a voice for a Sikh there was never a voice for someone from the South Asian community or even from the the BAME community mm. and this is where mental health needs to be talked about because it's within us all it's not something that is developed it's there from birth mm-hmm. you know when a child is born trying to protect them and teach them how to walk and their environment and the things that are around them, the atmosphere, sounds, their sensories, it's all linked to their mental health as well. So if a child was, say, involved in an accident or, you know, had broken their arm or something like that, that's a potential trauma that they'll have as they grow older. Mm. But no one ever actually talks about the mental health side of it. Mm -hmm. It's always the physical healing. It's never the mental healing. Is that a problem that you believe is cultural or... Is that like something that... That's across is... board. That is, is it's across board. There's, I think over the years, we have developed in the mental health industry in general. Um, there is a lot of talk around mental health being a conversation amongst workplaces or, or um, schools. But if we take it to a community aspect, mental health isn't talked about at all. Yeah, this is why I find what you're doing and what your organization is doing really interesting because as you said like yeah it's across it's a problem across board but especially within our community it's like there's a silence when it comes to talking about mental health issues talking about depression anxiety and and in terms of sick forgiveness what do you set out to achieve and I've also seen there's quite a few people that work within the organization right yeah, so across board on the Seat Forgiveness team, we have um, volunteers across the UK and each individual volunteer is, is from an ethnic minority or an ethnic background. The reasoning behind that is because we all on the same, um, same stage have experienced some form of um, poor mental health on the basis from a community aspect where it's not spoken about and that's because one there is very limited resources in ethnic communities where mental health is translated or talked about but also because it's seen as a shameful topic or shameful to accept and I think that's mainly due to how our ancestors have perceived mental health to be And that's very much down to society as well from the Western world of where there was institutions and, you know, people were isolated and victimised for being 
um, different or not understanding what mental health was. And that was because the lack of education was there. But that education continues to be a, a struggle because communities don't talk about it. Because people don't want to talk about anxiety. They don't want to talk about stress. They don't want to talk about low moods or um, depression because they've experienced a, a harder life physically than potentially emotionally. And I think we may be a generation where we're experiencing a struggle emotionally than we would have physically. It's something like the partition. That's an emotional trauma and a physical trauma because people physically were there and subjected to violence and abuse. Whereas now we've carried that trauma down from our ancestors, from our grandparents and parents. So we not only carry that trauma from a like a, a physical abuse or a physical um, trauma, but we also carry the, the pressure and expectations of they've had a harder life than we have we should be grateful for having a roof over our head and food to eat and water and the, as as what we would say the basics but our brains are now experiencing changes that our ancestors weren't exposed to mm. and what i mean in that is we're experiencing the additional expectation or pressure of of being professional and academic individuals as well as running a household Mm. as well as being a not the perfect but a a good sick or a good human being Mm -hmm. whereas I think maybe back in the day the main focus for many families was get your education get a job have a family and focus mm. on your family mm. there was the very few people who went out and sought their own dreams and built a business and had the life that they dreamed of mm. whereas now everybody wants to have that everybody wants to follow their dreams but still have their family still want to have their academic achievements but more and we're continuously growing in that sense where even as siblings or aunties and uncles, we are encouraging the younger generation to do the same. So it's we're encouraging the generation to learn more or um, listen to podcasts and motivational talks and see what the world has to offer, as in organisations that are helping and what kind of courses and elements the university is bringing to you and because we've had that open possibility to try and learn these new aspects of life that's an additional expectation additional pressure that we put on ourselves yeah so we not only carry everything else that our parents want from us we carry our own expectations yeah I was about to say like what you were saying it makes sense there is this added pressure now on on the heads of like our generation to do a lot more mainly because we've also seen the struggle of our parents and on our grandparents and on one end it's like we don't want to struggle the way that they did but also we want to take away their struggles now that we can and it's that added pressure on top of like we have the ability to take that pressure away from them but then it falls on our head and that's where a lot of I would say book strives from because it's that always wanting more for ourselves and the people around us that we kind of put ourselves in a position of where we're I wouldn't say ungrateful but it's it's just the always wanting more that gets us into positions where we're like struggling to to carry it all because it's like we're car- like you said it's we're carrying the trauma of our ancestors as well yeah and I think what it is is it's, it's a it's a natural response what as humans that we have is we as within Sikhi we practice contentment but sometimes we get led astray to that wanting more. And that's because of the environments that we're a part of. But also we have to acknowledge and we have to accept with 
with kindness that it's okay to want to be able to achieve more but also it why are you achieving more is it and is it necessary to put your mental health and physical health at the risk of wanting to achieve more and I think that's where we fall with our mental health is once we achieve the university degree or find the perfect job and then settle down it's it's okay can we can we cope with having a family and looking after our own family and it's a lot to take on on our plates as well it's you know you're taking on a whole new family you're taking on um, a new step in your journey um even as a um a student of Sikhi you know you're learning from what is around you and from the people around you and it's grounding yourself back to I am a human being there is so only so much that I can do and with mental health I mean within especially within um the Sikh community there is very limited um conversations especially in communities where where individuals get together that have the openness to talk about their dog anymore and I think people used to do that a long time ago I mean if I was to take it back to my childhood you know you had family around every weekend you'd have a cup of tea and a samosa and you'd talk and you'd play and people would talk about their dog and their sock and share everything whereas now people have kind of lost that element of community um because of fear the fear of what people are going to say if they find out that I'm struggling or I'm not doing so well and it brings it back to you know there's that expectation of oh I, I must hide what I'm truly going through and that filters on to mental health. You know, you're holding on to an additional um, emotion and not sharing it with anyone. Now, what we say with sick forgiveness is there is always an opportunity to share what you're going through. And it doesn't necessarily have to be with family. There are so many resources, especially when um, some of the things that we do with sick forgiveness is understanding what someone is going through and signposting them or understanding whether they need to have counseling or talking to a medical professional but it's give it's bridging that gap between someone being alone and someone speaking to a professional with what they're struggling with and without raising the awareness around mental health within the community that's not going to happen if we don't go into Gurdwara Sabs, if we don't go into um, community groups or support groups or um, do talks and podcasts like this, people are not going to know that there's organisations and communities that represent them. And that makes such a massive difference. When you see someone who looks like you, that's a comfort that they can talk to someone who isn't going to judge them for being different. And that's what sick forgiveness is mainly about. It's giving that one person the comfort of knowing that I am like them too. That I am a, a young woman from a ethnic background who has similarly experienced some struggles that they may have experienced, but I'm here to support them without any judgment and to ensure that they live or find contentment in life. And our aim is preservation of life. We've lost so many people due to suicides or isolation or other poor mental health um, illnesses that something as simple as talking to someone can make all the difference. And is that what sick forgiveness set out to achieve? Like what sort of seva do you do to kind of help um, encourage this conversation? I know you said that you also do podcasts. Is that right? Yeah. So we have a, a, a array of, of projects and workshop that sick forgiveness does. So initially when we started out, we were going into 
Gurdwara Sabs, organizations, charities, um, and talking to the community as well as workspaces around what mental health was. So that's face-to-face -face workshops. Um, due to COVID, we moved those to online. So on a regular basis, we've held mixed mixed groups, men and women's groups, where people can openly talk about mental health struggles that they're going through, but also learn. That's one of the other key things that we do is we don't just talk about taboo subjects. We also provide uh, support in how they can seek advice um, with what they are going through. So that could be anything to do with um, financial struggles or relationships or um, studies. We also have provided self-care and mental health workshops for universities. I think we've provided them for at least 10 universities across the UK. Um, yeah, pet podcast, as we mentioned, we do the podcast, but we've also provided mental health training to, to array of volunteers across the UK. We also did um, mental health first aid training for um, Guru Nanak Prakash Gurdwara in Coventry. So they currently have 16 Sevadars who are mental health first aid trained who provide a seva to the sanghat and giving them support around mental health and how to address the, the conversation in a safe environment. And that was another thing that we found that the community was struggling with is people felt they were backing away from Sikhi because they were not being heard and they were not being understood. Um, and it was a generic answer to what they were going through, as in, uh, if you do part, it will be okay. Um, but alongside doing your nithnims and learning about Sikhi, or that's, if that's the faith you follow, other coping mechanisms are required. And depending on the severity of your mental health, um, struggle is you are going to require professional help whether it's from a GP or from an organization or a community group a therapist you're going to have to have a, um, like a bag full of coping mechanisms to help you with poor mental health or even just managing day-to-day -day. as we mentioned you know we have a lot of things that we we have taken on from expectations of families and those around us but also our own expectations and we need a space to be able to air those and therapy is is also a taboo topic no one ever wants to talk about that they go to therapy but it's absolutely valid for anybody to go to therapy and I recommend it to everyone because it's a space for you um it's a space for you to talk about what you want to talk about without any judgments. And we support our service users in finding the right therapist for them. And it is vital to find the right therapist because you're going to build a connection with that individual. And that connection can last up to six sessions or one session or however many you feel that you need, but it's, it's a space where you're going to be sharing potentially incredibly personal situations but it's your time and it's needed because we hold on to that baggage the more negativity we, re we release the more positivity we can incorporate and one of the things a very very wise person said to me was you only experience dhok when you've experienced sok so in translation is you only really truly experience unhappiness when you've been happy. And I live by that because if you never experience happiness, how would you know what unhappiness is? You know, when someone says something to you and you just sit there and you're just like, oh, <laughs> and it makes so much sense. <laughs> this is how... what it... My mind is blown. 
and this is what I mean is in you know mental health is is within us from birth you know when when a child is crying they don't know what that emotion is until they're at an age of say one to two year old where they have a fall and it's hurt them or they've had a graze they know what that pain is because they've never had that before and that's when mental health your mental health is beginning you know your your um, adaptation to life and learning what's around you so if you're surrounded by um, constant arguments then that's something that you're used to um, if you're if you're surrounded by happiness or things that make you laugh and and um, you have joy then that's 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 what you've lived by but as soon as that's taken away then you're sad so you'll see those expressions on an on a, on a child but you also see them on a on an adult, like if I bring it back to the sports person scenario, when they win a race, they're related because all that hard work has paid off. But if they hadn't, or if they they lose or come in the top five instead of the top three, they go through a huge process of, okay, how do I come out of this? How do I build myself back up? And that's with everything in life, I think. You know, we have, especially within South Asian communities, we're, we're kind of brought up to understand that our path in life is to be financially stable and to build our own family. And sometimes that doesn't work out. We don't always find the perfect job or find the per perfect partner or, or get married or have a family or it's not at the same age as somebody else or you decide to take a gap year from university because you're really struggling with things that have happened at home and that's very common I mean take COVID as a as a prime example how many students have had to work from home and that's impacted their mental health massively because they haven't had that human interaction they haven't had that space to be able to go to the library and just just study or put their headphones on and be out of a work um a home space and that's so important for a student i mean i'm a student and my house is my library my workplace and my study group <laughs> that's not that's I not healthy <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. No, you're a it student becomes, as well yeah it becomes you, you do everything within the same four walls and I think even at, like the second lockdown that we've had um I think that's when it really hit because at that point everyone's thinking everything's going to go back to normal and then it's not and you're in lockdown again and this time you're just you're doing everything in the same space um you're communicating with the same people um and sometimes online seminars and lectures they're not they're not as helpful because you can't have that interaction with your peers as much as they say you can talk within the sessions no one really talks in seminars and lectures because there's that that fear of like you know you can't have the the private one-on-one -on -one conversation with your best mate that you that goes to your seminar with you because everyone's gonna hear it so it does yeah. have an impact on like how you communicate with people around you um, and then you are communicating with the same people uh for the for the you know month or two months um however long you've been stuck in that situation and it's the same with um adults as well like parents working from home who you know they're them going out and going to work was their kind of escape from home life then but now they're doing everything at home yeah exactly and the thing is is over the years we've, we've built those habits of you know we have to get up an extra half an hour earlier or an extra hour earlier because i've got to travel to work or travel to uni um, and as you said you know you you haven't had the uh the chance to sit next to your best friend or walk to your best friend or your um to your seminars you haven't been able to you know meet at the coffee shop and have a grab a coffee before before going to your lecture and having a conversation you know you're having that personal time that one-to-one -one connection and community um conversation whereas you're not having that at home anymore and you're, you're not having to take the physical actions of 
um well not every well some people are not having the same actions of getting up and getting dressed for work or getting dressed for for their uni lectures you're you're sometimes you're still in your pajamas because you don't have to have the camera on um and I think you know to begin with as you said the first lockdown it was great because it was like I I can save so much time but now a lot of people experience the anxiety of how am I going to be able to manage how am I going to wake up that extra hour how am I going to get my kids to ready for school or manage everything as well as getting back into a new work routine or new uni routine and there's going to be new routines put in place everywhere with the testing systems and new new projects that will be open and not be open and these are all things that no one else has had to learn for you know our ancestors our parents have never experienced covid so we're a generation of having to provide that information to them and I think one of the other things that was very new at the beginning of lockdown was trying to explain to parents and grandparents that you can't go out it's not safe especially as elders as well trying to explain to them and saying you're not allowed to go out and the response is but I'm older than you you have to yeah. listen to me not <laughs> that's so true yeah my granddad is always at like before lockdown before first lockdown he's always active always up in the morning going for a walk both of my granddads are the same and trying to explain to your granddads that you can't go out because it's not safe for you it's kind of like them that no one's ever told the elders what to do so they they kind of yeah. like taken aback they're kind of like oh, no I've, I've done and you know when you argue with your parent and you're like and your parents like no but I, I know this I've done this for longer than you but <laughs> you can't have a it's like having a conversation with a brick wall at that point because you're like no this, you know you're trying to make them understand but it's difficult for them to process because they've never experienced it before and it's it goes back to what you said right at the beginning of this podcast about change and how change impacts the way people think and feel and people's emotions um because everyone has experienced some sort of change and some at some points that fills people with anxiety I know for myself like any change whatsoever just it kind of creeps me out you know you don't want to experience change because it's just it's just that something new and that something new is what mm. makes everyone anxious exactly and it's really difficult because as as second generation or third generation individuals from an ethnic community it's we're having to be the middle person we're the translator who has learned what is going on in the world but we also have to uphold being the child or the sibling or the grandchild for for our families and from their perspective is we've gone through a, a lot more than you have We've gone through, as I mentioned before, we've gone through the partition, we've gone through moving countries, we've gone from losing um, losing families and, you know, adapting, adapting to um, a Western world. You guys, for us, it would be you guys have only adapted to, to a language or going to school or, you know, waking up at a different time. From their comparison is they've gone through a lot more physically um, and emotionally compared to what we're going through now, which is COVID. And it's also them understanding the changes we've had to make when it's come to things like losing someone. You know, routines or rituals or traditions that cultures have with regards to weddings or um, funerals they've had to change massively to keep people safe and it's not a it's not an easy conversation you know trying to sit down with your your parent or your grandparents and say look you can't go to this because it's not safe for you it's really traumatic not just for yourself as a person who's trying to explain it but also trying to support your family member um, an elder as well that we're trying to keep you safe but we understand that it's a difficult time when truly you don't really know what someone is going through 
what level of grief, what level of trauma, what level of poor mental health they're actually going through, unless they verbalize or um, communicate that with you. But if they've never heard of mental health, they're not going to openly share that because they have a persona of they have to be a parent, they have to be the strong one in the family, they have to be the one who carries the grounds for everyone that lives in that house. There's no level of anyone saying to them, actually, it's okay if you want to cry. Mm. I've personally seen a lot of people around me change since working in mental health, mm. which has been really good to to actually witness. Something that you spoke about briefly was the lack of discussion and the lack of communicating these issues. So as a kind of starting point, why is discussing our mental health problems and the thing and the trauma that we go through and the dog that we go through why is that so important but also what impact can having these open discussions have on individuals but also our community our sangat it's important to to give your mental health a voice because you're releasing um a dog or a pain that you've been holding on to and that weighs you down so sometimes we go through um something in life that we've never experienced before and we don't know how to deal with it and the only way most people would would deal with it is to pretend it's never happened or suppress the feeling hide their emotion and carry on as though nothing has have ever happened but ultimately that is just level 1 of what you're going through and say in a year's time something else happens and you realize that you've suppressed that first feeling so you do it again and eventually what you do is you continue building these blocks of pain and struggles and there will come a point where you just won't be able to manage and a mental breakdown can impact your whole entire life where because you're holding on to so many um so many struggles that your physical health will ultimately be impacted as well so you can experience things like high blood pressure um weight loss or increased um you can gain loads of weight um you can lose hair you can develop a mental health condition but what we also don't talk about or what we don't really take a look into as well is sometimes mental health illnesses can be genetic so if a family member has had um depression or um an eating disorder or psychosis or anything along the spectrum of the mental health condition, it can be passed down through your DNA. And because we don't have the conversations around mental health, we don't have that education, we never really understand um, what someone is going through unless that, that communication is there. And it's things like, things that we're exposed to already, especially with the Punjabi community as well, is the, is, um, mental health struggles with addiction so alcohol and drugs is very very big within our community not just in the UK as well in in India and other other countries and these are all impacted by our environments our communities our our upbringings so if we didn't voice the conversations around mental health then we're adding to the stigma of it being a taboo if we if we talked about mental health as much as we did physical health it wouldn't be a taboo it wouldn't be something that you hide from or feel that you need to hide it or feel shameful about like if we had a conversation around physical health there would be a list of things people would suggest go to the gym or um, try a new diet or go for a walk or find, do yoga, meditate, all these things that are available for physical health. But when it comes to mental health, there's, it's not just exercise that can help you. You know, what we, what we forget is that we seem to think that 
one pill can fix everything, but it can't. Even with your physical health is a bag full of supports that you need. I think I mentioned this before is you, you need a support network. You need to be surrounded by people who know how to support you if you're struggling with poor mental health. You need to have friends, a community, um, a therapist, if that's what you need or something that you need to have as a space to air your, your mental, poor mental health. Sometimes you require medication, but until you don't make that step by talking about your mental health, you're not going to be able to find coping mechanisms. And this is why it was important for, especially when Seek Forgiveness was founded, was to go into communities where people wouldn't expect mental health to be spoken about. So it was going into Gurdwara Sabs and standing there in front of everybody and saying that we need to have a conversation around mental health because our grandparents and our parents are going to be going through physical struggles like dementia, Alzheimer's, cancer, and we haven't really understood how to deal with, with supporting someone with a physical health condition. And that ultimately impacts not just their mental health, but ours as well. And it brings it back to there being a ripple effect of, okay, it's going to impact our mental health. Their health is going to deteriorate, which means that we're going to have to take on a lot more responsibilities, which means going to places that you wouldn't have expected to have gone and on the basis of going to like doctors and hospital appointments and having conversations with with um, medical professionals about what needs to happen next or what's the best cure or treatment and you're never really geared up for these conversations so if you haven't been able to address your own mental health struggles it begins to grow on your building blocks so where sick forgiveness comes into into mental health is we want to start the conversation of mental health in communities amongst the day-to-day -day person and the professionals within our Sangat and say, okay, do you talk about mental health? Because the conversation has to begin somewhere and only then will the education and the learning grow amongst families and friends and only then will it become a normal conversation as well. So it's, it's passing the barriers of the how are you question, it's really wanting to know how someone is feeling and not just asking them how they are because it's polite. And as individuals, you know, we have, we've got a lot of learning to do around mental health. You know, it's not just about asking someone how they are. You've got to be geared and ready to acknowledge that you, you can't hold any judgments against them. You can't criticize where what they are struggling with you just have to be open and listen without any expectations to to hold to them and I think that's as a community that's what we've we've kind of grown up with is we had a harder life than you did you've had it easy there's no comparison in mental health everybody's in, impacted differently so I think that's why it's important for us to to communicate that because we will be able to normalize the mental health conversation for generations to come so it's like you and me having this conversation your podcast is going to be listened to say a array of people who are similar to your age mm -hmm. and they're going to feel the comfort of actually do you know what there's a there's a, a sick organization talking about mental health and maybe I can talk to them maybe they might be able to help me with something that I'm going through and that could be due to anything that could be a struggle with university work or it could be to do with home life. And we have to we have to still accept that even as a young girl, at, you know, 16, 17, early 20s, I was probably going through similar things that you guys are going through now, which is, OK, what are my parents going to expect of me after I finished uni or have, what have I been doing at uni all this time or studying all this time? Who am I talking to? And students still experience that now. So academically, we've grown, but culturally and traditionally, 
our mindsets haven't changed that much mm. and that's where our mental health is deteriorating is because we don't have those conversations and we're still binded by how society expects us to be one of the shocking things that I found was meeting young girls like yourself where they were still being checked up on and still being called and still being asked 10 hundred million questions about who they were talking to mm. and it was just so surreal and one of the funny things that I came across was I held a workshop in in Birmingham and we had a group of older women join I think they were in their late 50s and 60s and they were just so shocked that young women like myself and my team were still battling the questions that they had mm. and you're looking at at least a 40 year age gap so in 40 years they were still or we are still experiencing the same questions the same conversations with with families some things don't change <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's so the thing that's the scary thing mm. yeah <laughs> but that's that's like what you said you know it comes down to that lack of conversation and that lack of discussion because these are these are situations that I mean correct me if I'm wrong but if if there was more conversation back in the day about how much of an issue this is I, I mean we wouldn't know but you can only imagine that it would be so different for people nowadays who maybe wouldn't have had to experience it or even if they did experience it they would know how to go about it in a way that would stop them from becoming as upset by it or letting it impact them in such a negative way because there would have been outlets or sources that they could refer to that could help them out a lot more but again we don't have enough conversation so it's very hard for them to to face it in a in an as positive way as they could potentially yeah and I think as individuals and communities we have to be open to we may not want to talk to family members you know there are families out there and people out there who are having the mental health conversation within their within their families within their households or communities but they don't necessarily want to speak to them because of fear of criticism and judgment mm. but this is where our minds should be a little bit more opened to the basis of okay if you don't want to talk to me maybe I can find somebody who you'd feel comfortable talking to mm. and it brings but it brings it back to you know the preservation of life the contentment of someone being able to live happily without any dock or struggles going forward we continuously celebrate our 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 guru sabs for what they have done for Sikhi, but for everyone in their path that they had met, you know, from providing water to our enemies or people that they've been betrayed or, you know, they sacrificed lives for, for, for humanity, they never held any grudges, they never held any, any, any pain towards that person mm. to say, no you did this heart. to mm. me. Mm. that's the right word hatred mm. they never held any hatred towards people to say mm. I'm never going to help you because this is what you did to me mm. and this is where this is where forgiveness comes from for me it's is if if there is an element of light from Maharaji or from the higher power or the universe whatever an individual believes in then ultimately there's an element that you're not that you're not forgiving Guru Sahib forgives everything if you if you accept or learn from your mistakes or learn from the things that you feel may have not been right or wrong. And within you, there is that element of Maharajji. So therefore, you're not forgiving Maharajji. Mm. We are the children. We are learning. But if we don't grow, if we don't adapt to providing a higher seva to humanity, then how are we going to preserve life you know it's we want people to be happy we want people to be content we want people to live a a peaceful life but if we don't support them if we're not there for them if we don't openly open our hearts to them and give them space to understand that okay I'm here for you then how are they ever going to talk to someone and as parents or as siblings, you know, we don't want to share things with our family members. 
because we have that fear of not just fear but we have that expectation of they're not going to understand they don't know what I'm going through or they're just going to judge me and that's an absolute okay feeling to have but that doesn't mean you can't talk to somebody else and as an um, a friend or someone who's supporting another person with poor mental health they should always be open to the idea of saying okay I understand you you may not feel comfortable talking to me but can we try speaking to somebody else mm. I've heard of this organization or you can go to we can go to the GP and see if they can help you what is going on or do you need a counselor or just talk to me don't feel afraid and you can you can provide that coping mechanism for someone who is struggling and that's where you're able to support someone and begin the conversation around mental health because realistically there isn't anybody in the world who hasn't experienced poor mental health they either don't realize that they're struggling or that they're being impacted by mental health or they choose to ignore it I want to add to what you said before as well about Gurusaib and Doc and I want to make it very like clear that as a human you as you said everyone goes through a different type of dog we can look at our sides and we can see from the suckies that we read and the suckies that we hear about as kids or growing up or the ones that you look into our gurus had also faced their fair share of dog but it was the mm-hmm. outlook that they had on that dog we look at the shahidi of guru arjun devji and we look at how Saib had dealt with that dog at the time by just accepting it as hukum, as individuals, even as like people of my age, and like you said, a lot of people listening are around my age, I think it's very easy to get caught up in the fact that there needs to be a reason why. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I going through it? Like, why am I facing this dog? Why me? That's the big question. Like, why, yeah. why yeah. me? And I think that, again, is like another reason why people go fr- like down the route of just not talking about their problems but at the same time just not feeling like or or just but thinking that they deserve that pain um and then that adds to it as well and like you said you know talking to to people and like being there for for your friend who is going through mental health experiencing poor mental health just being so okay with helping them out in a way that you know, they, they might not talk to you, they're not comfortable talking to you, but giving them other sources is really important. And that, that leads on to my, my next question for you, which is like, how can we make it so that people are comfortable talking about their mental health? Start with the conversation of mental health, you know, make yourself self-aware of what you're going through. As in, if we were to use an example of when you're at university, there's so many things that you have to take into consideration deadlines turning up to your lectures um making sure that you you hit your hit your deadlines making sure that you are prepped for your exams and even passing your exams you know understanding your emotions is your is the first step because if you don't accept or acknowledge that you're struggling you're not going to be able to seek support But as an outsider for somebody else, it's being aware of how a person is acting, like their behaviours, the way they are speaking or talking um, via messages or via emails, or has their routine changed? Like if you regularly talk to a person, you're going to notice changes in their behaviours more than someone who talks to them every two to three months like our parents notice things are when things aren't right with us because they see us or talk to us every day but if we don't acknowledge that we're struggling we're not going to ask for help so ultimately it's having enough space and communications to acknowledge that poor mental health is okay and it happens but that doesn't mean you won't get through it. You just need to ask for help and help is available everywhere possible. So if you're working, your workplace will have a mental health program or a wellbeing program that you can speak to or understand or get information from. Um, If you're at university, they have their own counselling hubs or student 
um, student minds or night lines that you can contact to speak to. If you're in a community, then you can find um, a lot of Gurdwara Sabs do programs around well-being um, where they'll have a professional on hand. You can always seek out that, that professional and ask them. Um, there's a lot of platforms out there now like Seek Forgiveness where you can contact and understand um, what mental health is, whether it's impacting us, um, impacting you, impacting someone around you, if you've noticed things where you're not sure what to do. NHS website has a library of resources and if it's something to do with a language barrier, Seek Forgiveness released a book uh, last November called Mental Health Given Be Here and it's a mental health book which has been translated from English to Punjabi and within this book there's 15 mental health disorders where say myself and my grandparents can have that conversation because each topic has the English version as well as the Punjabi context within that book so it basically means that I can sit down with somebody and say are you struggling with anything is mental health um do you know what mental health is and being able to go into Gurdwara Sahibs and meet elder people and communities and charities who are supporting individuals whose main language is Punjabi and support them into getting mental health support and within this book there's support services, numbers, um, even on an international basis as well where you can contact somebody if you're in Canada or America or in, or in um, India there are resources within there where you can contact somebody who might be able to support you if you're struggling. But the whole point of this resource was to begin that first stepping stone of a conversation around mental health, because we just haven't had those conversations to begin with. So it's important for us to start somewhere, but it's got to start with you. So you're either a person supporting another with poor mental health, or you're a person with poor mental health who wants support. Either way, you're looking for someone to help you and someone to understand. And that all starts with expressing what you're going through. And resources like mental health kihundi hair, resources like um, support groups or workshops, podcasts, talks, presentations are all potential groups where you can ask someone for help. If you are struggling with poor mental health or have experienced any forms of low moods or um, new anxieties and you're not quite sure who to talk to, do speak to someone that you trust. It could be a family member, it could be your GP, um, it could be an organisation like Sick Forgiveness but do talk to someone. We want to help you. We are here to support you. And we value you as a person in this world. So if there's anything that you are struggling with and feel that you need someone to talk to, then do reach out for support. You can find Seek Forgiveness on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, we also have a website which is www.sickforgiveness.com and we also have our very own podcasts as well which are in English but also podcasts which are available in Punjabi and Urdu so do check them out. We really hope you enjoyed listening to us today and thank you Benji for having us on and we really appreciate it. No, thank you. To hearing this soon.
No, thank you so much, Benji, for, for coming and talking about all of these different things. It will be so helpful to a lot of people, um, especially as you said, you know, my, my target audience or the audience that um, normally listen to these podcasts are around early 20s to mid 20s. And I get several messages um, about how as a sick, we can face doc. Um, and a lot of the times the answers that I have will never be as near to helpful as the answers that you or anyone that works with you at your organization would have. So I will leave of the links to your social media and your book um, in the description as well so that people can check that out. But thank you so much, Benji, for coming today. For sure. I mean, the book is available on the Seek Forgiveness website but you can also purchase it via Amazon as well.